Welcome to the Azure Podcast, a weekly podcast to keep you up to date on what's new on our cloud platform, Microsoft Azure. Your hosts, Cynthia Crane, Evan Basilic, Suji DeMello, Kendall Roden, Kel Teeter, and Russell Young discuss a different service or solution on each show with subject matter experts to explain how to get started, how different services work, and how to make decisions in tricky scenarios. You can find out more about our podcast at azpodcast.com or follow us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Well, welcome back to the Azure Podcast. This is episode number 487 being recorded on the 22nd of February, 2024 with special guests, Jack Lechua and Fabian Gonzalez. I'm Sajid, and on teams with me, we have Jack and uh, Fabian, who we're going to get to in just a minute. But first, let's cover some updates in the Azure space from this past week. There's been uh, maybe I have about three or four to cover over here, and one of them actually is in the topic of the discussion today, which is around Key Vault. Uh, so we'll see if our listeners want to weigh in uh, at the time. Uh, but first, uh, let's cover these updates. The first one is the AKS control plane. And metrics that are available in managed Prometheus now. As you know, uh, AKS clusters have, uh, you know, the control plane metrics like the etcd the uh, performance uh, or the API server performance, things like that. And there's a desire to have to monitor those. And so now you can, it's available, uh, a new features available where you can pull in those uh, metrics uh, via Prometheus uh, from the cluster and send them out to Azure Monitor so that then you can monitor them, keep an eye on them, see if there's any anything going on uh, with the uh, uh, with the control plane in AKS. Another update uh, uh, that we're uh, seeing this past week is around Microsoft DevBox. It's this is a nice feature in Microsoft and uh, Azure offers where you can create these um, developer environments and allow developers to jump in and you know get VS Code and other things other other products in there in a secure manner. Now you can use uh, configuration as code to customize those dev boxes. So let's say you have to run some uh, tasks when the dev box is booted up. Maybe you have to install some software or do some custom tasks. There's some simple YAML configuration now you can provide that allows you to do that. So they call it customization using uh, uh, code, configuration as code. And so that is uh, a new feature that's uh, available. And then another one is which are with our Azure Storage Cold Storage uh, tier. As you know, Azure Storage Cold Tier was uh, was released, I think, last year. And it's essentially one of those tiers where you put information or you put your data in there that you don't expect to retrieve very frequently, right? It's only in an emergency. You need to get to it uh, maybe for legal reasons and things like that. Uh, but what it didn't have, it never had uh, change tracking on those uh, on the cold storage tier. So now they've added the change feed to the cold storage tier, and so that will allow you to react whenever something is added to the cold storage tier. Maybe you need to, you know, uh, replicate that information somewhere else, or whatever it is you need to do in in uh, to react to information being put into the cold storage tier. And so that is um, uh, that is now uh, available. And then. Uh, Azure Redis uh, has the enterprise tier. There's a feature where now you could have customer managed keys 
uh, encrypt the disk that is used in your Redis instance. So obviously there's you know many of our enterprise customers want to make sure that you know if if Azure Redis is persisting the the cache to disk, it's not something that disk is not something that can be accessed by anybody else. And so you could the customer can provide their own keys to encrypt that uh, underlying volume and give that additional sense of security to the uh, uh, to the customer using it. And finally, uh, like I like I like I said earlier, there are a few updates to Azure Key Vault which were announced this week, and uh, they're kind of interesting because this is almost like a new HSM is what it sounds like uh, is what we uh, 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 or a new uh, uh, a new a more secure HSM is now available in Azure Key Vault, and it uh, you know it kind of supports things like the the PCI uh, compliance uh, and whatnot. So I think this is something that a lot of our customers would be interested in. And uh, Jack and uh, Fabian, uh, Fabian, I was wondering if you had any comments on this. Fabian, do you have anything to say on it? Um, well, yeah. Yeah, this is a, a recent change we've implemented. Uh, you know, it's always, always, um, advocating for our customers' security. Uh, and, you know, we, we're trying to definitely align with in, industry standards out there. And uh, I think this is a really, really good news for um, our customers, because actually we saw a lot of customers asking for this, right? Um, having mm-hmm. this level of security in their HSMs because they want to make sure they're using the, you know, the latest. And uh, so we, we basically... Um, and Jack could add more, but basically what we do with, uh, or what we did was that we um, migrated our infrastructure from um, HSM 142 level to um, FIPS protected um, to 142, uh, 142 level three HSMs. This, yeah, uh, and this will definitely improve our customer security. Awesome. Yeah, it definitely sounds like uh, a lot of uh, activity happening in the Azure Key Vault space. So uh, having said that, uh, why don't we have you guys, uh, you know, officially introduce yourselves to our listeners and uh, talk about uh, all things Key Vault, uh, you know, because uh, you guys are kind of the experts around Key Vault at Microsoft. And we certainly, our listeners certainly want to hear uh, about uh, about the service. It's been a long time, actually, since we talked about Key Vault specifically on the podcast I want to say it's been many, many years since we specifically talked about cable. So I'm 100% sure that a lot of things have changed <laughs> since that time. So uh, I think this is a good refresher about Keyvault in any case. Uh, so, so Jack, why don't you start uh, introduce yourself, and then Fabian, you can go after that. Uh, my name is Jack Litra. I'm a Keyvault team member. And uh, Fabian, what's your yeah, role? Yeah, um, here. Uh, my name is Fabian Gonzalez. I'm a um, embedded escalation engineer here, and uh, uh, yeah, I work really closely with the engineering team and also with our customers that their biggest pains and in, in issues. Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, I was thinking about uh, you know how Key Vault uh, fits in the overall Azure landscape, right? For me, Azure's uh, in it, when someone talks about Azure, the fundamental building blocks of any any computer, anything in Azure, are things like virtual machines. VNets and storage, right? Those are the three things people think about as you know. You need that, right? That's that's a kind of a must-have. And for me, when I think of uh, something like Azure Key Vault, uh, you know, it is that almost in that same uh, layer, right? It is the must-have 
service that everybody should have in their um, uh, in in their Azure deployment, no matter what they're deploying. But maybe you can just uh, help uh, our listeners uh, get grounded and explain what Key Vault is, like at a high level. What what are some of the services that Key Vault provides uh, uh, to uh, to any uh, deployment in Azure? Yeah, so basically, um, Key Vault is a service that was designed with, you know, um, our mission is basically like having a, a world where all of your secrets are safe, always safe and um, and secured. You know, that was like our mission when we started this. And um, we work, all of we do is, um, you know, aligned with that purpose. So we always try to make improvements on, on access management and, you know, uh, secret management and all that. Basically, Key Vault is the tool you're going to have um, to make sure your secrets, certificates, and keys are being protected and are secured, are not going to be accessed by any person that's unauthorized or are not going to be seen by anyone that you don't desire. You know, like, you avoid to have these secrets and this stuff in your code, and we take care of that protection. Um, it is, it is like, um, you know, um, um, we work side by side with customers in this in this mission as well because they also need to you know um uh they will like maybe they will implement some things like azure policies or you know they they also need to verify they have the right accesses provided and they are you know making sure they're not giving more permissions and stuff like that or um they're also some customers out there are there are uh using Key Vault with Microsoft Defend Air for, you know, notifications, stuff like that. So I would say it's like side-by-side um, -side work, but uh, for what it's uh, ours, um, you know, we always try to to be on top of the security standards out there. But yeah, basically that that's, that's Key Vault. That's a service you could use to store all of this information and you can consume it securely from your application without exposing it and without having unauthorized access to it. That's great. And I know you mentioned briefly that you said secrets, which is something that I can certainly understand. Uh, but you also said things like key, uh, keys and certificates, right? Correct. Just uh, and, and and you know sometimes the the kind of differences between these things get a little gets a little bit fuzzy. But give us some maybe some use cases where we would use you know those three. Like what are those typical uh, uh, those three types of I guess secrets. Uh, how are they different and when should customers be thinking about them? All right. Yeah. So the uh, secrets per se, it's just something, it's 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 just the string, right? Whatever you want to store as a secret that will be protected, you know, our end will be encrypted. Um, you know, um, we have uh, a key hierarchy that will protect this information. So you could store just something like, uh, you know, like he just a, um, connection string or something like that. You don't want to put that directly in your code, but you want to keep that as secured as a secret and you want to call it from your call uh, from your code. So that is um, that is an example for the secret. And that is like a use case you, you could have in your application. Um, some other use cases I've seen in there, um, some customers use the secrets to store their, um, their plain text keys, but they're, you know, uh, when they store it in Keyhole, it will be protected. 
Um, but it is because um, in Key Vault, the key management side, you cannot store a, a, a public key only, right? If you need to, if you, we only support asymmetric keys. So if you're going to store a key, it needs to be asymmetric. So some customers use the secrets to also store the public portion of their key and, uh, and use it, uh, you know, in, in their code. Um, that is the secrets. So we also have the key, the keys part, right? As a key management, we're not 100% a key management solution because for that we have, you know, different options as well. And uh, but we also take care of your of your keys. For example, if you um, if you are using an API, uh, sorry, a, a key, sorry, to encrypt your disk in your VM or to encrypt your data, we, we have a lot of integration with uh, different services. You know, for for customer managed key or something like that, you want to store that key in Key Vault, the, and we are gonna we're gonna keep it safe, right? And also. You could implement something really good that Jack worked on. It is amazing the the key rotation, right? So you could now use this key rotation feature uh, along with Key Vault. So if you let's say are using uh, this key to encrypt your storage information, you could also ask Key Vault to to periodically rotate that key for you and uh, storage as long as you indicate that it's having the latest version of your secret uh, of sorry of your key. It will be. It will know that it, the key has been rotated, and it will re-encrypt your your data. So this works in conjunction really good, and um, this is a, a, a really nice part of Keyboard that a lot of people use. And then we also have the certificate management side, which is also we keep your certificates secured in our end. In you normally customers use this for you know uh, stuff like. Um, for example, TLS protection, stuff like that. They they store their certificate in our, in our key vault. We also have a lot of integrations out there with uh, first party services. Like one that comes to my mind is with Azure uh, Application Gateway, where um, they're going to be retrieving certificates from key vault and use them to, you know, to protect the traffic and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know if, well, definitely Jack has more to add in here, but I, I'll, I'll let him go ahead. Yeah, it's a great uh, summary, Fabian. So we can divide that the keyboard is more like a three product. It's one, we have a secret, which many times are credentialed, which allows application to access other resources like storage accounts, SQL, etc. Certificates secure the transport of the data between services. And uh, keys will protect your uh, data trust. So as you mentioned before, that uh, Redis right now uh, allows you to uh, encrypt the data with keys. Yes, they are coming from Key Vault. It's integration with Key Vault. So that's basically what we're, all areas of security we, we provide from uh, data protection and uh, access access protection. That's great. Yeah, I was just remembering uh, I, I use uh, Azure Bastion to log into some of my VMs and the SSH key, you know, I've put it in Key Vault and it just kind of comes there, comes from Key Vault automatically. I don't have to ever worry about getting the key. So that is you know, my favorite use of Key Vault is to put those SSH keys out there because they're, you know, they're secure. You access, you, you know, you access them using your RBAC uh, policies or uh, RBAC uh, rules, and uh, and it just, you know, kind of gets pulled in automatically, and you can just transparently log into the VM without using a password, right? So I think that is that is my one of my favorite features. 
You know, the, the, the one thing that's kind of always uh, uh, troubled me with, with Key Vault is like, you know, it's kind of, a, it used to be this classic chicken and the egg problem, right? Okay, I'm putting my secrets in Key Vault, but how do I get to Key Vault? I need a secret to get to Key Vault in the first place, right? And I call that a chicken and the egg problem because then where do you put that secret, right? So, uh, uh, but nowadays I know with the with the advent of managed identities and whatnot, it's a lot easier. But maybe can you just talk about, the, you know, how, how, how are customers kind of, you know, accessing key vault are they all using managed entities do they use user user managed system manager i'm just curious what you've seen out there and and what are some of the pain points uh, in that space yeah so a lot of customers are using uh managed entity that's that's you know what we um poster and we encourage people to use because that's the more secured way that you could use to access key vault uh in that case you don't need to access any secret or stuff like that as you mentioned you know the chicken and the egg and stuff <laughs> but because um that it happens that for some scenarios like when you're using uh an outside application let's say you have an application and on the uh, Entra ID B, right? And you want to access data from Key Vault in Entra ID A. Um, in those scenarios, for example, um, unless the service supports uh, cross-tenant authentication, it will not be possible for them to access the, the Key Vault data unless you create, let's say, a service principle for them in, in, in tenant A, and then you provide the credentials to that application, let's say, running outside of the tenant, because this is really important, you know, it is all part of the security and in, in the authentication here. We need to authenticate that the identity trying to access that information in Key Vault is actually authorized, right? And uh, if the identity is residing on a different tenant, um, yeah, uh, we need the, the customer to provide this information. So, yeah, right now you have you could use client secret, client ID, or client certificate and client ID to, you know, to access Key Vault. You could also use managed identities, or you could also use, depending on the interface you're using, uh, you could use, for example, if you're using an SDK in Visual Studio, you could use Visual Studio per se to authenticate. You just enter your, uh, enter your credentials, and, and that's it you need to do, right? Um, but yeah, I don't know if I, Jack has more to add in here. Uh, yeah, it's a good summary. Um, the one interesting case is uh, what you do when you have uh, resources on tram. Uh, this capability with the Azure Arc VMs when you actually can use managed identity and then you don't need any secret uh, managed identity handles it for you. But there are still cases which that's not available. And the only workaround in that way is to uh, deploy certificate and store it, for example, in the Windows Certificates Manager. And then uh, our SDK can automatically pick it up and connect to keyboard that way. But uh, yes, eliminating secrets, it's really, really big problem. And uh, manage identity and ID out, that's something what we try to use to, to help with it. Um, one also interesting area is uh, that uh, cross-tenant scenario. So we recently actually uh, work with uh, storage, Cosmos DB, SQL, to allow cross-tenant communication without using the secret. Uh, so uh, think about an uh, independent ser uh, service vendor has a SaaS solution, and they have uh, their own customers uh, with um, data, and they want to protect those this data with their own keys. So here you can have a customer with their tenant and their key vault with the key, 
and um, let's say Adobe, and uh, Adobe will be able to use user assigned identity and uh, identity federation to use uh, to connect to the customer key vault and equip the data with it. So that's that's scenarios which we're working on. So it's going to be more about uh, identity federation and uh, make uh, those cross-cloud scenarios available. So you don't you can avoid that chicken and egg scenario. You can avoid the secret which. Uh, manage identity and identity yeah. management out. That's very good. Yeah, yeah I, did, that, I never was, thought about that. That was, yeah. that was one of the things that, uh, you know, when, uh, when I started learning about Key Vault, I was like, okay, so um, I will be keeping my my secret security in Key Vault, but I need to still put a secret in my code <laughs> right now. <laughs> I, I remember I asked Jack. But, yeah, that, yeah, was always, that, that was is part like, of Wait a minute, what do I do here? <laughs> but we're getting rid of that, and, and we're thinking about, you know, uh, more robust solutions, and, and, and that's what Jack mentioned about cross-authentication, federation, and stuff like that, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and another thing that uh, bothered me, you know, with all of these services so dependent on Key Vault, right, the reliability of Key Vault becomes very important, right, because it almost seems like if that's not there, my, I'm down, right, uh, there's nothing I can do. <clears throat> and so uh, I'm curious how customers are, uh, you know, tackling the reliability thing with Key Vault. Like, you know, I've heard some people where, where they copy, you know, all the information from all their secrets from on keys from one Key Vault to another, and then they kind of use a primary and a backup scenario. Like, I was wondering, like, what are some of the options customers have to ensure that Key Vault is always available, even if, let's say, an AZ goes down? <clears throat> yeah, so in that, in that part, we have a um, we have a redundancy system, let's say, that will automatically uh, take care of that part for customers. Um, for example, when you create your Key Vault, uh, there's a replica of that key vault, a secondary key vault that will be created in a different region. And there are also local copies that will be created in the same region of that key vault. So in case there's something, for example, if there's something affecting the region specifically uh, or a data center in the region, we're going to be um, uh, failing over to a data center in the same region to, or we're just going to be consuming um, the let's say the whatever is failing, let's say networking or storage or computing or stuff like that, whatever that type of resources we're going to be using that on the same region. But if it's the whole region that's like um, you know having a, a an outage or something like that, we're going to be uh, failing over your um, your requests to a key vault on the secondary region. All of this happens automatically. Customers don't have to to do anything. You know, they, they the the process goes like this. Just if we notice there's something happening in the, the primary region of your key vault, um, we're gonna be redirecting your calls to the secondary region. And during this time, it will be like 15 minutes or something before you could start like um, um, making write operations because during this time you will be having only read only. Uh, access to your key vault. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's that's good. Yeah, I think that, that, that definitely helps. So uh, it, 
so this is part of the service, right? You don't have the customer doesn't have to do anything. Uh, like a, a replica is already set up, pretty much like blob storage, I suppose, right? If you use like a GRS uh, blob storage, there's replica, local replicas, there's uh, replicas in other regions. So it just sounds like uh, Key Vault uh, kind of works in the same way. The the the, the name uh, that you use is still the same, right? It's always that primary name for the Key Vault, but it just gets routed to the kind of the backup uh, site uh, if there's a problem with uh, the primary. And another thing that's kind of, you know, as an application developer, uh, it's, it's kind of troubled me a little bit when using Key Vault is the performance of Key Vault, right? Uh, specifically, uh, it's never clear to me whether, you know, I can be, you know, hitting Key Vault uh, heavily in my application to get secrets all the time, or should I, you know, take the secrets, put them in my application memory and cache them, right? And you know, what's the right strategy? Because obviously there's pros and cons, right? If I cache the secrets and if there's updates to the secrets, I want to know about them, right? Uh, it's something that I want to know about. So a lot of customers tend to, you know, read from the key vault uh, more frequently so that any updates to those secrets, like in the case where, you know, there is rotation of keys or the connection string has been modified and changed, uh, they want to be able to access that, uh, you know, more kind of uh, in, a, in a shorter period of time. So from a performance perspective, what should customers be, how are customers handling this? Is there Are there performance implications with Key Vault to start with? Yeah, and in this one, I'll, I'll let uh, Jack answer in it because, because we, well, I wouldn't say like recently because it happened like more than a year ago, but we doubled our service limit, limit capacity. And um, that is, um, you know that that was basically to tackle some of these scenarios because some customers were um, finding throttling issues when they were they were trying to make a lot of requests to Key Vault, uh, but I think we have improved a lot in that area. Yeah, that's correct. We, we double um, the throughput, but uh, in general, as maybe it's not known that uh, Key Vault is um, designed for really granular isolation of the. Uh, of your uh, secrets. And uh, with that in mind, you have one key vault per application, per region, per environment. So in case of a breach or issue, uh, the impact is really minimal to the one application. And uh, with that, usually 400 per second should be enough for most of the application to to handle. Uh, Yes, we recommend to cache secrets and certificates uh, on the um, on the node, and uh, the pattern we also uh, require to have expiration overlap. So, for example, even if you rotate the certificate, the previous certificate is still available for today. We recommend around 30 days, and the same will be with secrets. If you have a primary and secondary access key to storage, for example, you rotate mm-hmm. the one key. And the expiration of the another is another 30 days, so you don't have to really call it all the time. We right now recommend maybe once per per day should be enough, uh, and uh, that's how, uh, for example, application services uh, does today. They just call uh, call Key Vault once a day to refresh. But uh, you have to make sure that you follow the pattern that uh, previous secrets not expire right away. Yeah, uh, it has an, another 30 days to to expire, and that's how we handle the resiliency in that area. Okay, that makes sense, yeah. And, you know, kind of it just leads me to uh, to a related question on the 
uh, you you mentioned that you know the recommendation is that every application should have their own key vault, right? Or should use their own key vault. There's so the, and then there's a couple, and I can understand that because you, you can specify the RBAC policies, and you know you could kind of uh, uh, lock it down to that one application access. But then if you think about a typical enterprise customer, they have hundreds of applications, right? And now they'll have hundreds of key vaults, maybe probably more than hundreds, many hundreds. Uh, and then, you know, managing the secrets across all of these instances is going to be a problem, right? Because, you know, typically what happens, a lot of these secrets are, uh, I would say, the same, right? Okay, the the database string for from big database is going to be the stream, same for all 100 applications, right? And now they have to make sure that all these 100 key vaults get updated uh, correctly anytime there's a change to that connection string. And so that's, I guess, for me, that's been a challenge. Uh, you know, how do you like how do customers manage all these secrets across this entire estate of key vaults? Flip side to that, uh, you know, what I have noticed missing in key vault and I wish would be there would be some sort of a hierarchical uh, representation of secrets, right? There's no hierarchy in key vault. I think it's a flat, am I correct? It's a flat kind of uh, namespace, so to speak. It's just one list, or can we have hierarchies in, in key vault? Yeah, I will try to answer that one. So uh, yeah, it's, you can may say that it's flat, but it really relates to how Azure is structured. As you know that uh, today that uh, subscription is a scalable point. So you have to divide your application per subscriptions and uh, key vaults actu actually go together with, uh, with those applications. So uh, yes, our focus was on security. So imagine that, let's say secret is leaked. Today we have ability that even if secret is leaked, you can only access the resource from the application VM because you can do the network uh, level restriction. So that was really our main focus that you can really minimize uh, limit of, of the uh, limit of uh, limit the scope of the breach. So that the blast really radius, the so to speak. Blast yeah. radius. So yeah. and it's the same why we recommend per region and per environment. So that was our really main focus. It's security very hard. And that was the reasoning. Uh, you can still think about the hierarchy. If you think about subscription is like a first folder, resource group is another folder, and then is a key vault. So hierarchical uh, view is over subscriptions and, uh, and resource groups. And in terms of um, centralized management, we have Azure policy when you can deploy and control other settings of key vaults across uh, entire um, management group, which is cross-subscriptions. Right. Uh, you can uh, enforce any compliance policy across uh, all secrets. But uh, yes, our vision was to really make granular isolation and limit uh, uh, the scope of the breach. And uh, if you can see that only application have access to key vault, we, with Airbag today, we allow you to completely remove the persistent access for, to users too. So with Airbag, you can use a pen with uh, just-in-time access. So in that case, even that uh, this old user identity which somebody forgot and it got compromised or any token from the users will not be able to use to access the secret because they really no persistent access at all. They will need like a secondary approval from the administrator to really get access. So we really go towards completely eliminating uh, unaccess possible to keep to limit that to only application and uh, secure networks with really granular isolation in terms of uh, network, identity, and logging. 
that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, security is certainly the primary concern there. Uh, they could, I guess, you could always use things like <clears throat> like DevOps or automation to keep all these secrets synchronized. If you have to deploy it to multiple key vaults and whatnot, uh, that's another way to do it. <clears throat> uh, it is correct, but uh, we see that as a as a fallacy because then you're gonna give the DevOps access to all your key vaults, mm. and what what that's is gonna happen point. with Dev, DevOps is compromised. So we really want to go out of that uh, pattern and uh, really get application to reach uh, the secrets. And uh, DevOps can just maybe pass their URIs to the secrets to deploy the URIs, but actual application download the secret and only application has uh, access to the secret. Uh, with recent new features, we're working on the integration of CDM, confidential VMs which uh, today we only allow to securely release the keys to the uh, confidential VMs. We're gonna also in future allow it for secrets and certificates. So imagine that even operators will never have access to one secret because only that confidential VM will have access to encry- double encrypted uh, secret and certificate in, uh, in key vault. So we go into the it. direction of sec- complete security. Uh, no operators have access to any secrets, they are not visible. And that's that's our direction. That makes a lot of sense. Thank Zero you for clarifying trust. that. Jack. Zero trust. Yes. Zero yeah. trust. Trust nobody. <laughs> Good. No, that that's great. For thanks you. So, uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, this has been great discussion. Certainly, uh, a lot of great tips from you guys. Is there anything else that uh, you feel you wish uh, you you want to share with our listeners about about you know best practices for key vault uh, or uh, or anything that you you know any kind of interesting things you've seen uh, when you when you when you work with customers using Key Vault? Well, in my case, the first thing I would like to do is to uh, add a clarification on the on the first message we were given about the the HSM enhancement. Uh, just make a quick note that this uh, fix 142 level three are going to be available for um, premium AKVs, right? Um, this will be coming for for you know the HSM protected keys and not for the standard protected keys, just just making that, that clarification. But um, on the other side about customer scenarios, you know, uh, yesterday I was thinking about this and, and I think it's it's all about that. You know, they always, um, there's like, I, I would divide up like a 50-50, right? Because 50% of them want to have like a centralized solution when where they have all of this, uh, they're able to handle all of these keywords at the same time and, uh, you know, say, uh, replicate or synchronize information between them and then having them, you know, they, they want to, you know, easy access and easy accessibility to all of these keywords at like the, the 50% and there's the other 50%, which is, as Jack mentioned, where, where we are actually driving all of our efforts is the the, the ones that think on security. They, they want to, uh, restrict the key vault as much as they can. They want to make sure they're not giving, uh, uh, you know, more access that they should. They use just-in-time access. And we also have um, have heard of customers that they want, okay, um, I want my user to be able to handle network settings for key vault, but that's the only thing I want that user to do. I don't want the user to be able to uh, delete or modify the key vault or any of its data, right? Stuff like that. So. We're 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 um, we're hearing a lot of customers, you know, um, trying to make isolation their best priority. So I think that's that's kind of what I've seen so far. Um, yeah. 
Thank you, Fabian. And um, yeah, I want to add that with that new HSM hardware, uh, we have fixed level three compliance. Uh, previously, um, financial institutions, insurance companies, with have fixed level three requirement, could use only managed HSM, which is really high cost. Think about two, four thousand per uh, per month. Uh, so now fixed level three is available in the low cost for you for just one dollar per key. Uh, so that's really the biggest uh, biggest news for for customers, uh, especially who uh, need to use fixed level three uh, compliance, so they don't have right. to ma manage it anymore. Um, Second important move to Airbus. The access policy of vulnerable the um, contributor today can give themselves access to the secrets. And uh, considering that contributor is widely used across any DevOps, uh, it's uh, the biggest cost of the breach today. So move to Airbus, uh, isolated that permission that only owners and user access administrators can manage access um, to your key vault. Uh, use spam, just in time access. So to reduce um, reduce breaches if a uh, user identity is compromised. And keep granular uh, restri network restriction for your application. So even if the application identity is compromised, uh, attackers cannot cannot access your secrets. Yeah, I would add to that. Yeah, also the networking protection, make sure as long as, as it's possible to use private endpoint communication so that you make sure you're using private channel for communication and all of that. Uh, that you uh, have your your uh, firewall turned on and you are uh, monitoring what's accessing your key vault. Have your logs enabled. That's really really important. You know, um, these logs don't come like enabled by default. You need to uh, enable the key vault logs in, uh, uh, after the deployment. And this is really uh, really important because this will help you to understand what's going on with your key vault. What are the calls happening at a you know a, with your secrets keys and certificates? Who's calling them? Who's for example uh, um, who's who has made some update on it or stuff like that? Yeah, we got a lot of customers sometimes they're coming to us saying like, hey, could we know who deleted this secret? For example, uh, well. Uh, that that's all in the log, so that's a great recommendation for customers out there. That is very very useful. Thank you. Thanks both of you. Really appreciate you guys sharing all of your insights into Azure Key Vault today. Uh, it's been a great experience for me uh, to understand all of these uh, recommendations, tips, and tricks. And I'm sure our listeners uh, would have got a lot out of it already. Uh, well, uh, thank you again so much for coming on the show, and uh, hopefully we'll see you sometime soon. Thank, Thank you. you very much, Sajid. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the show. If you have any thoughts, questions, or just want to connect, find us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Background music has been taken from ccmixer.org under the Creative Commons license. We hope you'll tune in again soon to keep learning with us.